seated. I have two scripture passages tonight. Both of them are New Testament scripture passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10. P Bible page 1806. And then Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. P Bible page 1824. Starting the reading with 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10. Before we read, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, enlighten us by your spirit to see that our greatest strength is our weakness. That when we fight our enemy, Lord, we must surrender to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10. Paul says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. And to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations... There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Turning now to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. Paul to the church in Ephesus. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. 
We're also going to be looking at Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 52. Question and answer 127, Psalter, Hymnal, in the back of your green books on page 63. We're going to be breaking Lord's Day 52 up into two parts. The final sermon on the Catechism will be next Sunday evening, and it'll be on question and answer 128 and 129. But tonight, we're looking at question 127. We can read the answer together. With one voice. What does the sixth request mean? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil means. By ourselves we are too weak to hold our own even for a moment. And our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, never stop attacking us. And so, Lord... Uphold us and make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit, so that we may not go down to defeat in this spiritual struggle, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. That's the teaching of the Catechism. Um, many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with this, but the Christian life is full of Paradoxes. Now, there's a lot of confusion about paradoxes. Paradoxes are not illogical. Paradoxes seem to be illogical. It's a big difference. And one of the great paradoxes of the Christian life is if you want to live, you must die. But another one of the great Christian paradoxes, the paradoxes of the Christian life, is this. You are strongest when you are weak. You are weakest when you are at your strongest. The great poison to successful spiritual warfare is pride. The great power to successful spiritual warfare is humility. Proverbs 16, verse 18 speaks about this. It says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. And it's something that has become used in our everyday speak. We say, Pride comes before a fall. And particularly when we're dealing with the topic of the sixth petition in the Lord's Prayer, we're talking about this paradox. You are weakest 
when you are at your strongest. You are strongest when you are at your weakest. So, our theme tonight. The disconnect. Yeah, unplug it and bring it back up here and we'll, we'll get it back on board. Tactical difficulties. Gotta love it. All right. In Christ, we pray. For God, to manifest His power in our weakness. Is it back up? All right, let me know if the people online say they can hear it now. Good. In Christ, we pray for God to manifest his power in our weakness. So, we have three points tonight. The first is our weakness. The second is our enemies. And the third is our strength. Our weakness, our enemies, our strength. So let's look at this first point. In Christ, we pray for God to manifest his power in our weakness. And the first part of the uh, catechism's answer says, Lead us not into to, 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 excuse me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil means. By ourselves we are too weak. To hold our own for even a moment. So the first declaration of the catechism in, in, in relation to the sixth petition, the sixth request in the Lord's Prayer. That when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, is a, an expression of humility. An expression, a confession, a declaration that we are weak in and of ourselves. Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, very interesting passage. The first six verses of it, Paul talks about this man, this mysterious man. He said, I must go on boasting. Although there's nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. And then he describes how he knew a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows. And this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I'll boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses." Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. So what is Paul talking about here? Well, first of all, when he says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. Visions and revelations, he says. And then he creates this 
other man who had this vision, this revelation, being brought up to the third heaven. And then in verse 7 we read, to keep, me from be- to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. So Paul, in humility, spoke about this other man that was actually himself. Paul was brought up 14 years ago into the third heaven. And he was shown things that man cannot talk about. Heard inexpressible things. He was caught up to paradise. Paul experienced a great and wonderful mystery of a vision of heaven, much like John experienced in the book of Revelation. But Paul says, of all people, I could boast of such thing, but I will not. I will only boast of my weakness. I only boast of my weakness. In fact, you could say 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is very much so like Paul's confession in Philippians when he says, If anyone can boast, I can. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, of a Pharisee, uh, of, the, of the law, faultless, without uh, blameless. Uh, but I will not boast of those things. I will only boast of Christ. This is Paul's Corinthian way of saying that when it comes to the battle of the Christian life, the battle plan is weakness. The battle plan is the opposite of self-reliance. The battle plan is to always, always be on your guard. Never feel like you've made it. Always be reliant upon God. And when we think of it in terms of spiritual talk, it seems strange. It seems like it doesn't really make sense that this is what we're talking about. But let's say I, uh, I told you that uh, let's take this out of the realm of, of spiritual warfare and let's take this and put it in the sense of like an addiction. An alcoholic, someone who struggles with an addiction to alcohol, you hear the phrase once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. It's not always a helpful phrase because I do believe that Christ can give us freedom from bondage to these kinds of addictions. But at the same time, the phrase is meant to get us to consider a reality that is often the case for people who have struggled with addiction. And that is the moment that you hear an addict say, oh, I'm over that now. I don't have to be worried about that anymore. It's not a problem for me anymore. It's not an issue for me anymore. I'm better than that now. That's when you have a relapse. Because the declaration 
of weakness. As the Catechism says, is to know that we cannot even hold our own even for a moment. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, the author of the majority of the New Testament. He's the one who's been given a vision of Jesus Christ. He's the one who's been taken up into the third heavens, the third heaven, and given these, this wonderful experience of paradise. Paul has all these many blessings, and he does not boast, but in his weaknesses. You are weakest when you believe you are at your strongest. You are strongest when you're at your weakest. The great poison to successful spiritual warfare is pride. The great power to successful spiritual warfare is humility. And in correlation with the topic of prayer... Because this is what this is about, right? It's about how we pray in Christ. We pray for God to manifest his power in our weakness. Let me ask you something. If you think that you figured out how to overcome your spiritual enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, if you think that you've got it all worked out on your own, then why would you pray? You pray because you're weak. You pray because you're asking God to manifest his power in your weakness. Let's talk about the second point, our enemies. The second part of question and answer 127 says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil means, first of all, that we are too weak to hold our own even for a moment, and our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, the flesh. The devil, the world, and the flesh never stop attacking us. This battle is a battle that will continue until the day in which the devil and his enemies, or his, uh, and the devil and his minions are tossed into the lake of fire. This battle is a battle that will continue until the brokenness and cursedness of this world is purified by fire and renewed to become the new earth. And this battle will continue until our broken and cursed and sinful bodies are tossed away and we become our new people, resurrection bodies. And until then, these sworn enemies will never stop attacking us. 
Who are these enemies? Well, Paul expresses in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, or chapter 12, that because of this experience that Paul had of being brought up into the third heaven and seeing paradise and hearing things that man cannot even express, he was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And he said, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. Three times. In this scenario, the messenger of Satan is sent by God to keep Paul in his weakness and humility. Because if there's something that God knows, he knows that we need to be reminded how dependent we are upon him. And in his grace, he puts us providentially in situations and circumstances where that very thing is brought home by the Spirit of God. Moments, moments when addicts get to the bottom and they realize that not only is there nothing but up from here, but if my best efforts are what got me to this place, then I should probably stop trying on my own. The devil, he is the serpent, the god of this age, lowercase g. The devil is described in Ephesians chapter 6 like this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. The devil is the one who puts lies in your head and gives you and uh, tempts you. The devil is the one who, who comes to you and says, isn't God holding out on you? Wouldn't you be better off if you enjoyed this, did that? And you see, the devil, he takes advantage of the world. The devil takes advantage of society and um, sinful trends. The devil takes advantage of, of an American culture that's all about selling sex and, and finding joy and fulfillment in money and possessions. The devil takes advantage of that atmosphere. And those are the kinds of lies that he tells you, these, these lies that are, are, are forced through the world, and the brokenness of the world. And the devil, he takes advantage of the flesh. This is the old man. 
This is the sinful nature. This is the part of us that is yet to be fully renewed. It's a part of us that we battle against. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. Yet there is this old man, the sinful nature that we battle against. So the devil, he takes advantage of the world, the culture, the society, the environment that we live in to get us on these temptations. And then he also takes advantage of the flesh, the sinful man that's still with us, that clings to us. And he takes advantage of these things and he tries to get us to think. That we are weakest or that we are, he tries to get us to think prideful things. He tries to get us to believe the lie that, that weakness is a bad thing. And that we should be strong in ourselves. These are our enemies. And when they're seen by themselves, on their own terms, this could look like a frightening endeavor, a hopeless battle. Well, it's something where we have no assurance of victory. Our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, our own flesh, they're never going to stop attacking us. Especially when we're told right off the bat, we're too weak to hold our own even for a moment. But remember, this is something we are praying about. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a prayer we're praying to someone. And so let's talk. Now that we know our weakness and now that we know our enemies, let's talk about our strength. And so, Lord, uphold us. Make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit. That we may not go down to defeat in the spiritual struggle, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. Paul goes on to confess that he pleaded with the Lord three times that the messenger of Satan would be taken from him, but the Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect. In weakness. Our prayer is that in Christ, God would manifest his power in our weakness. When Paul prayed to God to take away this thorn in his flesh, the answer he received is this is exactly what you need to know that my power is made perfect 
in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly, not about my experience of going up to the third heaven and paradise and hearing things that man cannot speak of. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? Why do I boast in my weaknesses? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And Paul, he would go on to describe in Ephesians what being strong in weakness looks like. It's putting on the armor of God. But how many times have we heard this passage of putting on the armor of God as if it's our duty and responsibility to take and place every single element and put it on ourselves so that we can be protected from our enemies and we fail to realize the first thing that Paul says in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. How are you strong in the Lord? How are you strong in his mighty power? By confessing that you have no power in yourself. That you have no strength of your own. By confessing we are too weak to hold our own even for a moment in this battle. Our strength is the Lord's. And then when you read the armor of God, you realize that what is being declared to us is nothing less than all the benefits we have received in salvation with Jesus Christ. That are ours by our union with him. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And so Paul says, neither can our battle be. Our battle is, is waged in the spiritual. Therefore put on the full armor of God. Stand firm with the belt of truth. Who is the truth? Christ Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life with a breastplate of righteousness in place. Whose righteousness do we have? Our own righteousness? God has granted us his righteousness in Jesus Christ. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the gospel of peace which was proclaimed to us, whom God by his Holy Spirit transformed our hearts, regenerated our hearts so that we would believe. In addition, take up the shield of faith. What is faith? But an open hand, an empty hand saying, God, I have nothing. Give it to me. If you would grant your grace, I do not deserve it. Take the helmet of salvation. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Do we make the word powerful? 
Or does the spirit work through the word, cutting to the bone and the marrow? The armor of God is a declaration of prayer that God would manifest his power in our weakness. Think about it. The very reason you put on armor is because you understand that your body underneath cannot take the impact of the battle you're about to go into. If you thought your body was strong by itself, you wouldn't put on armor. You wouldn't have a helmet, a shield, a sword. The very act of putting on armor is a declaration of humility, weakness. You are at your weakest when you're at your strongest. You're strongest when you're at your weakest. The great poison to successful spiritual warfare is pride. The great power to successful spiritual warfare is humility. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. And you cannot go any further than to acknowledge that in the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one man who never fell for the temptation the devil offered to him. The one who stood firm throughout all his life, who did not stumble or fall, who was like us in every way, yet was without sin. But the very characteristic that marked his life upon this earth was humiliation. And it was his total and utter dependence upon God, his Father. That he overcame Satan himself. Resisted temptation and crushed the head of the serpent. That on the cross openly mocked the principalities and powers and dark spirits of this world. It makes sense then also that we would see in Proverbs the words... Humiliation comes before honor. And to hear from the Apostle Peter, resist the devil, and he will flee. Humble yourselves before God, and in due time, he will exalt you. In Christ, we pray for God to manifest his power and our weakness. Christian life is full of paradoxes 
and one that we need to be reminded of as we pray daily to our Lord is that if we are going to fight the good fight in this spiritual struggle, if we're going to firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory, the victory at the end of the age, when all things have been made new and our final state is one of bliss without sin, Satan, and the brokenness of this world. Then we must pray every day that the Lord would remind us of our weakness and our dependence upon him. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your great gift in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thank you, Lord, that in him we have victory, complete and final. But, Lord, we pray. We pray that as we, as we live in this world, that we would be humble before you, dependent upon your power at work within us. And so we confess, Lord, that we're too weak to hold our own even for a moment, and that our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh never stop attacking us. And so we pray, Lord, uphold us and make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit, so that we may not go down to defeat in this spiritual struggle, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the complete victory. And we know, Lord, that this will only happen in you, that you alone can grant us complete victory, that you alone, Lord, can give us all the strength that we stand in need of in our own weakness. So we pray. We pray, Lord, that you would manifest your power in our weakness. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.